Years ago, when I moved to Los Angeles, I was in an acting class and there was this really cool kind of rocker looking chick, really talented and funny. And I, <laughs> I immediately was drawn to her um, and I knew we were going to be friends. And years later, I'm bringing her onto the podcast and I'm so excited to introduce her to you or you to her and vice versa. Because, I mean, for so many reasons, um, but I think this this conversation is such a masterclass in the beliefs that it takes for you to achieve at the level that you're ready to achieve at. So this is my friend, Chloe Arktash. She's a half American, half Turkish writer, actor, director from North Carolina. And in 2022, Chloe's short film Lance in a Neck Brace premiered at the Sundance Film Festival and was featured in IndieWire's top 10 must-see shorts at Sundance. She was also recognized by NPR, No Film School, and as a Vimeo staff pick as well. Chloe was one of 25 directors personally invited to the Canada Goose and IndieWire female filmmaker dinner at Sundance, celebrating trailblazing women in the industry. Her acting credits include The Walking Dead, and in 2016, her short film Mutt was a finalist for the 43rd Student Academy Awards. This is someone who I deeply respect, who I look up to, who I get to collaborate with. We make films together, we discuss films, we share ideas, and it has just been a privilege to see Chloe work. And I'm so excited to open the doors for you to kind of get a glimpse into a working director's life, what that looks like, how that feels, i.e., uh, spoiler alert, not always a cakewalk. We get pretty real in this episode and talk about how to nurture your creativity, how to connect with people in your community, how to give yourself the grace to find authenticity, the sort of tricks of the trade in terms of getting into these kinds of festivals and having these kinds of experiences, how to kind of look at your self-judgment and release it. Uh, that is a lifelong process for all of us. Um, and just so you know, this is actually an exclusive recording of a Q&A workshop, which we did inside the All Access membership in my Indie Spunk Club. And so there are some questions that our community had uh, at the end of the call that we referred to, but that is bonus content just for all access members. So if you want to join Indie Spunk Club, you can hit me up on Instagram, DM me and uh, just say all access and we can get you in there because we do these kinds of workshops all the time. I'm so excited for you to get into this. There's so much good shit to come. Oh, and what I wanted to tell you was Chloe's short, Lance in a Neck Brace, which we're actually going to link in the show notes so you can check out her film that got into Sundance. It's also right now one of 10 films nominated for the Cards Against Humanity short film, and you can actually vote for it, and please do go and help Chloe out. I've popped that in the show notes as well, so let's all celebrate fantastic filmmakers, especially female ones but everyone is included um i'm so excited to dive in okay i'll see you on the other side hello everyone hello so excited to see all of you welcome 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 to this amazing woman who i know and love and who is 
uh, wow, one of the first friends I made in Los Angeles is just the most incredible director and creative person, like such a creative soul and has had this wonderful success in your career, Chloe. And I think everyone is very excited to hear about it. So hi and welcome, Chloe. Thank you. I've been wanting to come on this for a really long time. So I'm really happy to be here. And that's so nice, Izzy. Thank you. I'm glad this is recorded because I'll listen to that intro. Every as your morning. alarm. <laughs> yeah, it's my alarm. Um, I feel like you're not the person, first person to say that because I tend to kind of like waffle on a lot about when I like people. I'm like, let me tell you. Yeah, don't let me stop you. Also, you 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 actually have been, um, you you were pitching to me co- like, when am I coming on the podcast? Get me on yes. the podcast, get me on the podcast. Yes. And I'm glad that it's actually happening now. I think this is like perfect timing because I always want to do on too. And because we're like sort of wrapping up the end of the year, I'm so curious to hear about how, you know, you've gone this year. There's so much to get into with your background and your first film, making it into Sundance and then being on IndieWire. Like there's just so many amazing things to discuss. And then really, you know, I'm glad that I know you so well because there are questions that I think other podcast hosts or, you know, other interviewers might not even know to ask. Um, And I know you and I know sort of about you and how you really know how to optimize um, relationships and network with people. And I think there's just so much wisdom in there. So why don't you, I guess I always start this way. Why, why stop a good thing if it's great? I'm going (laughs) to ask you this question. What uh, what was your gateway drug moment for the industry? Like, what uh, was it when you were doing something and you and it clicked for you and you went, "Fuck, I'm I'm into this. Like, I love this. I want to do this for the rest of my life." Where were you? What were you doing? What was happening? That's a really good question. Um, well, I always wanted to act, and I still act, but as a kid, I always wanted to act and. There were these three films that I would watch over and over again. And it was Columbia TriStar, like that matters. You know, I just want to see <laughs> that's the first thing I remember as a kid. <laughs> and it was these these trilogy this trilogy of films, The Secret Garden, Black Beauty, and A Little Princess. And oh, the little yeah. princess was direct. I'm getting goosebumps. The little princess was directed by Alfonso Coron. Obviously, everyone here probably knows who that is. But the point is that, like, these were children's films, but I'm pretty sure they were made to indoctrinate young people to become filmmakers (laughs) because I just would watch those over and over and over because the content was enough, you know, was safe enough for me to watch. But the way that these films were executed, it was just beyond anything that anyone's making now for kids. I mean, these films were so stunning and I just was always so mesmerized by these three movies. Mm. And I think that those movies really had a big impression on me from early on that I wanted to do filmmaking. But I think my focus was primarily centered on acting in movies. And then I went to, um, I made a film in high school. I made two films in high school. One was a disaster and one was good. It was good. And then in high school, I went to a conservator, a a conservative drama conservatory. Conservatory. Yeah. And such a creative, uh, such a, yeah, (laughs) I did that. And um, I learned so much. 
and I got a really good education in acting. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that a lot of acting is making things work when you, when you know, they don't. Oh yeah. And that really bothered me. And Mm -hmm. I said, I, I don't want to live my life, uh, being in situations where you have to just make something work, even though it doesn't work. I want to create the work that works. And then, um, I, I, so I just kind of decided that that was what I was going to do, but I guess my, so I think those three trilogies, that one trilogy was my gateway drug. And then I think that, um, I mean, I'm always very scared on set. I'm never like, Oh, home. Hello. (laughs) I, I do love, you know, controlling and managing a vision. But being on set is not like, you know, I'm not dancing in the, like, I'm not dancing with everybody. It's very stressful. I don't eat. I don't sleep. I have to pick up my outfits days ahead of time because otherwise I won't know what to wear. I have to have friends make sure that I eat lunch. I have to have friends make sure that I eat breakfast. Um, I, it's a very, like my nervous system doesn't like it. Mm. But I think that maybe after I finished Lance and a neck brace for me, that was like, okay, like I, this is, this is, this is it for me. I really am going to just dedicate myself to this. Mm. So that's, that's interesting actually, because Lance and a neck brace was after you went through film school. Yeah. I, I mean, I loved, um, I loved making movies and, you know, I, I always felt like I could do them in my own way at NYU, which is something I really liked about that program. Um, and then I came home after graduating and I was a, a little bit unsure of myself. And then I think making that film really got me back on the course, so to speak. And I was yeah. like, okay, I can, I can do this. This is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. What led you to make Lance and a neck brace? What was the iterative process? Was there was I know that you had a neck brace that you were obsessed yeah. with that you'd found at the junkyard. And mm-hmm. this is so, so you <laughs> as well, where you're like, oh, I've got this I this spark of an idea from some abstract <laughs> in some abstract way and like create a whole kind of journey around it. And I think that's really such a beautiful way that your brain works too. You're very Thank creative you. that way. Tell me about that. Yeah, I um I'm really glad you brought this up because there's a lot of things I want to yell at people about because when I get excited, I yell. Um, but I I live next to a junkyard and my not currently not currently I mean you know I never mind I was gonna make make a joke about the bar across the street but I'm not gonna say that um anyway um I have beef with them but uh point is that I live next to a junkyard that we would my you know ex-boyfriend and I would sneak cut through a neighbor's yard and we would go through and we would take things from the that's not legal I know that now anyway one of the things we took was a neck brace and I held on to this neck brace and for like 10, you know, from 16 to 26, I still have it. I just held on to it. It just was so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And then I made this project. I made an inner, a pilot for an interactive TV show. 
in North Carolina when I graduated high school. When I when I graduated college, I moved back home and I got this awesome opportunity. I got paid to direct an, a pilot for an interactive series. And my friend Lance, who I met in acting class in Charlotte, North Carolina, he I wanted him to be in the film. And I he had a, a part. It wasn't necessarily a big part, but I kind of decided that this the the people that were in this world I was creating were a bit of outsiders, you know, and Lance is a very attractive person. And and I was like, okay, I want to like do something that will kind of offset his beauty. And I was yeah, running he's out like of the a house. very beautiful oh, yeah. man. He's basically a model. Yeah. <laughs> and I was running out of the house and I grabbed that neck brace. I said, you know, maybe this will, this just adds a little bit to him because he's so pretty. I want to like, you know, give him something else, an ailment or whatever. Yeah. So then I put this neck brace on Lance and we were testing focus and we had the camera on Lance and something happened where all the crew just came and surrounded the monitor and was just watching him. And there was a lamp, there was a lamp shade and he was just fixing the lamp and people were laughing and people were saying, come, come look at, look at this. And I just was like, that's a, this is a moment to pay attention to. And there, I'm sure everyone has those moments on set where something just works and you're like, I have to pay attention. Mm -hmm. And this was a moment where I was like, this is something special. Like people Mm -hmm. are stopping what they're doing to come watch him. And I said, roll camera. I said, just roll camera on him. And so that to me was the, the, you know, I just had that in my head. Mm -hmm. Then cut to uh, a couple, I think it was maybe a year later, months later, um, there was a contest to write a short film that took place in a hotel. It was like a Hilton, whatever contest, film contest. Yeah. And it had to take place in one location. And at my job, I came in at um, nine and my bosses would always come in at 10 or 1030. So, you know, while I had that hour and a half to myself, I would write. And I just sat down and I was like, I'm just going to see what comes out of me. One person, one room, whatever. And I was like, well, what if this person, there is someone else in the room, but it's coming from a tape. And I always had Lance in a neck brace as the character, but I was like, what could the tapes be about? And I'm like, oh, it could be about heartbreak. And then I just wrote it down. Rolled it. Yeah. I can imagine that just, it's almost like AI, like, yes, it it is. I call them down. My friend, I told my friend, she calls them downloads. And yes, I so agree. Yes. It just, that's what happened with me with Seafoam and a few other films. It's just one of those, I feel like sometimes I can spend months sort of going, oh, what's an idea? What's an idea? What's an idea? And then one day it'll just click and I'll be like, where were you for months? I was looking for you and here you are in front of me and I I see you so clearly and I feel you and I know your texture and I know the world and it just happens like immediately. And I wonder with Seafoam too, if that idea originated from a prop too. I wonder when I watch your film because there's a prop that's such a big part of that film. The fish. The fish, did yeah. that, did, did it come, was it inspired by that or that came later? No, it was, there were, There was a, something about uh, a visual cue yeah. that 
okay. was, tr- was it was really about like the trick of her brain um, going. It's like when you watch the matrix and you're like, is this real? Like, yeah. You know, you kind of flip between worlds. And I had that picture of someone who didn't know what their reality was. Mm. I, and I, it's funny cause, um, and we'll get back to Lance in a neck brace. We really connected as filmmakers when yeah. I was in post-production on Seafoam and I, we were talking about how, um, how important it was to have, have still acting, like have really mm-hmm. still quiet acting from our people, from our actors. And you were like, I love that cut in Seafoam because he doesn't do anything and it's so interesting. And I think you and I both realized that was our love language immediately. We were yes. like, oh, the same because we both love the stillness yeah. and how much tension that can create. Like you don't need your actors to do anything. No. Um, and that is the epitome of Lance and a neck brace. He says nothing. He does yeah. very little and it is impossible to look away. And like you have this sort of these narration tapes <laughs> and it's just like, oh, it, it's such a clever fucking film. <laughs> Thank you, Izzy. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And I think to go along what you're saying about stillness, I think that's something that you can really only, I could be wrong, but it's something I think you can really only ex- explore in film. Yeah, very it's true. Like, there's yeah. like the things that are not said are the most interesting oh, totally. things. And it's all about, you know, what someone's thinking as opposed to what someone is saying. And I think that that I love that we have that in common because that's something you can only do, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I think in this medium. I so agree with you. And there's always, it's always so fun to kind of, I I have clients who struggle with, you know, they really like to write dialogue, but yeah. they have a hard time with sort of what's actually going on visually, like the action. Yeah. And I love assigning them the task of write this without any dialogue, dialogue and see if we can still have the same information, like how would you do it? And I it always that. ends up bringing the most interesting ideas because we don't even know how much of the world we know until we ask ourselves the question. That's that's a beautiful statement. I'm going to write that down <laughs> and I'm going to steal it because that yours. was fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'm glad we're making it official. <laughs> okay. So you had this moment where you saw mm-hmm. him on the monitor and this was back, this was before you'd written it. This was when you were paid. Yes. Also, wait, uh, let's, let's even go back <laughs> further. How did you yeah. get paid to write this? So this thing. Oh my gosh. How did that happen? Okay. At NYU, I had a film that was a finalist for the Student Academy Awards. And it screened at a festival. It screened at an NYU festival. There was someone in the audience who worked for this production company. Sadly, they no longer exist. And the production company or the, the produ- human? The, the okay. production company. I, the I hope the good. human is okay. good. But yeah. the production company, she, she saw my film and said, hey, you guys need to reach out to this person. Mm-hmm. So they reached out to me and I met two fa- fabulous, fabulous. We love them. We love them. And they said, Hey, there's this company there want to do interactive. They want to do an interactive series and we're looking for people who have ideas and we'll pay you to make a, we'll give you money to make a pilot. Mm-hmm. So and it's called Uncoupled. It was for it was for uh, Echo is the company okay. mm-hmm. the interactive uh, pilot was for. So they found me because of a film that I made. Amazing. That was being shown. Right. The power of putting is, yourself out yourself there. out there, which mm-hmm. is why it, I'm sure you stress this all the time. But it's why I'm just like 
sooner, the more I, you know, live in this world, I say, just make it and put it out there because you just never know. I Um, so agree with you. And I always feel like the, the most random things happen when you put it out there without too much worry about the actual consequences. And then I I feel like years down the line, things come back around and say, oh, I saw that thing or I've been following you since. And you're like, you have, like, who are you? And, um, it's so easy not to do that. Like, it's so easy to really get stuck in the, uh, I have to be perfect. It has to be perfect. That is something I struggle with every day of my life. Yeah. Um, I still, I, I don't, I have very hard, I have very rigid standards for myself, yeah. but, um, I, I, yeah, it's, it's tricky, but yeah, you're right. You cannot fall into the trap of just not putting anything out mm-hmm. because my friend has a really good saying, I forgot what it is, but she was like, don't let perfect get in the way of done. Yeah. It done was something is better than like, perfect. Done is better than perfect. Yes. I yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, not that, you know, everyone should just, well, I'm in LA, so everyone bear with me. But when I was editing Lance for Sun, you know, that's for the Sundance deadline, I saw a tarot card reader as one does. Oh, as one does. As one does in LA. Yeah. And, and, and this person was like, you have something and you just need to finish it. You just need to get it done and turn it in. Honestly, that tarot card reader could be talking to literally anyone in. That's so true in, <laughs> in LA. <laughs> but he, that's so true. Is he? He's like, you have a project or something. Yeah. Don't worry you, about yeah, it. Are you being creative? Good. Yeah. yeah. Are you cre- don't worry have about you been stuck in traffic lately? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Damn it, Izzy. You're killing the magic. Sorry. And I've been really looking for that tarot card reader <laughs> since then. I've been searching for him. Anyway, I have to just tell you a really quick story about that. Like the only time I ever booked to see someone that could give me some kind of spiritual reading was I was like having an existential crisis like two months ago. And uh, my friend was like, you've got to go see Karen. 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 (laughs) So I made an appointment to go see Karen. And in the morning, the, that I was supposed to go I was like I was having a really I just felt emotionally so rough that day for some yeah. reason so I got in my car I was like thank god I'm gonna go see a spiritual yeah. healer just gonna go heal me as so I drove all the way to which is not that far to North Hollywood from Hollywood yeah. not that bad yeah but I drove there parked in the car was like getting ready and um and then I get this phone call that's like hi ready for your uh, hi Izzy I just have to reschedule I I am terribly sick and also it's online and also and it was like just so funny because I felt like the universe was saying no no don't no don't go home save your 120 dollars yeah that's that's a lot it's a lot it it, i have nothing it's not nothing yeah if i'm already stressed no this has nothing to do with film but i really can't handle any type of bad news it, from from a spiritual that's what happened too because the regular very tough version of me like very thick skinned. Yeah. Would have been like, okay, great. Okay, no fine. But yeah. I was like, oh, this is the worst thing. Yeah. <laughs> this is a sign. Oh, yeah. not even the spiritual leader can help <laughs> me. <laughs> okay. So yeah. here's what I want to ask okay. you about it about Lance in an egg brace. Um, I know this, I know how, sort of the journey of you making it, <clears throat> submitting it to Sundance and then yeah. you had a party and I wonder if you will tell yeah. us that story because I think what this illustrates mm-hmm. is so important for everyone to know that there is a sort of it's 
it's not always a straight line, right? Yeah, and I think like you have to just like put yourself out there. Right. I was at a party, and the thing too was like it. I didn't even know this person was going to be there, but right. she. I was at a um at a at a festival that she curated these amazing films, and my friend was a part of it. And my friend introduced me to her, and and she said, you know, oh, I I work with Sundance and the shorts you know, programming. You're like, and, oh. And and I, and the thing that I have to give myself credit for <laughs> is that I genuinely just wanted to get my, to make my film yeah. good. I mean, good. But I mean, that I really, that Sundance was the only festival I, I mm-hmm. only applied to Sundance and South by Southwest. That was it. So I was like, I just, I really just want to go to those festivals. And they're very expensive. Like the applications are very expensive. So I met her and, and I said, I said, I made a short film and she's so nice. And I was like, I would really, if you have time, I would really just love your. Oh, edge of my seat, edge of my seat, guys. Chloe, if you can hear me, you froze. My friend. <laughs> anyway, close back. So that's good. Uh, oh hello we did it <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay okay <laughs> we're, we're at a party you're we're at we're a in party. post-production we're in post-production we're in LA I just moved here like it's January so it's cold but it's not that cold I'm wearing a sweater it's everything's nice I meet this really nice woman who tells me that she works for Sundance in the programming and I asked, I said, I just made a short film. I would really love your notes on it. Could I please have your information to send you my film? And she was incredibly lovely and kind. And she said, sure. So then I made a rough cut of my film. The original cut of my film was about 12 minutes. And I got it down to nine. Because oh, I that's read, perfect. Yeah. Thank you. I read, well, I didn't read. I went to a Sundance seminar in Charlotte, North Carolina. And the, you know, head of the short programming was there. And he said, if your film is longer than 12 minutes, it better have a really good reason Mm -hmm. to be longer than 12 minutes. It's very difficult to program longer films. Mm -hmm. So I really Mm -hmm. was like, I'm not making anything longer than 12 minutes. So I sent her the, um, the the cut and she said, this looks great. She said, please let me know when you finish and when you submit, because, you know, I really like this, the, the, this cut that you sent me. Um, and so, you know, that I think was, you know, important but it was just I you know genuinely wanted to make a good you know film Film. and I knew that this is someone who's seen a lot of films and would have really good um advice on how to make something better Um, I love this um story because of course like the film has to be good right like there there is no getting around that no no sort of industry yeah. festival at that level is going to program a film that isn't up to scratch. 
but there are many films that are up to scratch that aren't getting seen for those kinds of festivals. And the difference here is the very clear goal and also, you know, the your your brain filtering system basically you you know you buy a red car you see them everywhere yeah so you want to get into Sundance you see evidence of the path forward everywhere right and so you meet this person and and you chat and you're very your energy is very aligned you're very passionate about it she responds to that she watches it obviously the film is great Mm -hmm. and I imagine on her end is going and putting a little tag on that saying yes to this person watch yeah because I think it, it's like a process I think it needs to be I mean I'm not sure how the you know works but there's multiple people on that team yeah and then also what was really interesting is when I you know when you get into Sundance they do like these mixers and so I spoke with one of the programming heads and I said you know I listened to you speak and you said not to make my film over I also like these rules are all broken because there was someone there literally whose film was 15 minutes. And cause I said to the, I said, you know, I made my film under my film was, you know, I wanted to make my film under 12 minutes because of what I heard you say. And he was like, Oh, well, so-and-so's film is 15 minutes. (laughs) And I was like, but he said, he, and I, he said, but he said, if your film was any longer than Mm. what you said, I would not have programmed it. To- so true for the style of the film because yes it is it is nine minutes of it's nine minutes no talking no yeah. I mean we have dialogue from the tapes but we are just with him and I think that is probably the length of time that you can hold our attention for exactly. that purpose in one room yeah and that mm-hmm. was the big part it took me like a year to edit that film I probably could have done it sooner but I was I just moved to LA so I was doing a bunch of other things but that was a big thing is my roommate, Kevin, who's a really talented filmmaker, was like, you have to kill your darlings. Like, you need to cut out some of this. Time. Yeah. Some of these questions. I had so many more questions. And then finally, like, one day, I was like, oh, Kevin, your advice makes sense to me now. Um, <laughs> after him, like, you know, telling this to me for a year. But, you know, it, yeah, it, it should not have been any longer than what it is now. No. I, it would I be think very ir- annoying. Yeah, very true. Okay, so yay, we get what we want. Oh, also, um, the I did the same thing. Uh, I just want to circle back to this. I did the same thing with um, Phenomena, which was my sort of first film that I was like, oh, yeah. this is this is worthy. Like, I'm proud of this. I want this out there. Um, I only had one festival that I wanted to get into, mm-hmm. and I I did get into that festival. Um, but I also would not give that advice to myself knowing what I know now. And I just want to say that because I know that we have so many different people of all walks of life and creative paths listening that it's really important to diversify your festival plan and goals. Um, however, it did pay off for both of us to have that very singular obsession as well. So yeah, I think my mentality at the time was, if I don't get into these festivals, I'm going to put it online. <clears throat> and they're yeah. really amazing online festivals, like Short of the Week, yes. No Budge. No Budge. I love No Budge. Me too. And I said, you know, if I don't get into these festivals, I really hope I could get at least one of those two. Because to me, that's just as great of an exposure mm-hmm. as a festival. And same thing with like Vimeo Staff Pick. Yes. That is 
a very important tool for filmmakers to be recognized and that's not necessarily a festival I mean, no the internet gives so you so much so many more opportunities yeah I met I met the uh, one of the small team of Vimeo staff picks there there's uh, only like four of them yes. that work for Vimeo yeah. staff picks and she it was just incredible to hear I mean I don't know how they find I the films either. they find I don't because either. such a tiny team um but Interest. I actually have more interesting things to say about that, but story for another day. Um, Chloe, you made Lance and a Neck Brace have this incredible yeah. success. Okay, thank you. So, uh, and for good reason. The film is fantastic, and I'll, actually, a fair few of my community have seen it. We actually have. We like. We we talk about you. Um, thank you. But, yeah. <laughs> the I've definitely shared your film a few times, and what I think is interesting is t- tell us all about what happened after the film came out yes. and went through Sundance. What was the ripple effect? What happened? I feel like you are, I, I feel like there's so many crossovers with us. Like we had very early success yeah, and then there's like been a period of growing through some grow- growing pains, I suppose. Uh, yeah. I so, don't like that part. I'm still doing it. It's not yeah. great. <laughs> so what happened after Sundance? So after Sundance, uh, well, first of all, it is going to the festival is so much fun. It is very intense because I, you're, I, I, when I came to the festival, I was really lucky. I already had my agents. And so they're setting you up on all these meetings. And I felt like I was in America's Next Top Model when they go on the go-sees. Yeah. Only like, I'm not dressed that nice and like. I need like water because I'm dehydrated from the altitude, but (laughs) you're like, you're going to, you're just going to meeting after meeting, after meeting, after meeting. It's awesome. And then at night there's all of these like parties and they have these amazing curated events that um, are just so niche and so awesome. And so you're meeting all these filmmakers, you're taking meetings And um, it's just so fantastic. I I just, I'm getting very nostalgic. Um, And then afterwards, uh, you continue to take meetings. You know, my agents sent me out on meetings. I've done a lot of meetings. Now, Um, did you have an agent before before. Sundance? Yes. That's a crazy story too. Um, But after Sundance, well, what's really nice is that um, you know, I think that as a very young, as a very green person in this industry, I really just think that people, you have to get, you just need little like stamps of approval. So I think that Sundance just gives you a further like approval stamp. So I that agree. People it is feel, very much like you've been yeah, verified. It's you've like been verified. That. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I didn't immediately get like you know, a project right off the bat from Sundance. Mm -hmm. I got a ton of great meetings. I met really cool people and I continued to do generals for a year. And then I would say towards the end of the year is when I was lucky to get, you know, opportunity to do, you know, some projects and First of all, let's go back to okay. your getting an agent because from memory, you had an a, an acting rep that was like, I believe in you yes. in terms yes. of your theatrical. That was also a crazy, and this is a, 
that was just, this is like the 2019 was like probably one of the best years of my life. I moved to LA. I got to live with my really close friend. We met. Uh, we met. Exactly. That was <laughs> actually number one on my list. I Second. thought, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we, um, we met, duh. And I had, you know, I still have my acting agents in North Carolina and I, you know, said, is there anyone that you want me to meet out here? And they kindly set me up with my manager. They said, you have to meet the, the person who's now my manager. And they sent her my reel from The Walking Dead. And I came in instantly. We were best friends. And I just had such an incredible feeling from her. And she's so warm and very enthusiastic and very excited to meet me. And she, it was like a movie. I'm not kidding you. This is probably like the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. It literally was like a coming to LA, um, like montage of like what, <laughs> what would be ideal. Was it like when Hilary Duff in in the voice what's that film where she like oh, travels to la or boston yes. where does she go she goes i, I think wait, it's la why is it lizzie mcguire movie it's not lizzie mcguire movie not but she mcguire. she's basically still lizzie mcguire she's like i'm gonna be a singer and then is a singer in la and it's yeah, there that, is that like travel I, montage raise your voice movie, thank you guys I, these are my people <laughs> yeah that movie was based on me um so i you were coming clean. Um, I was coming clean and I met with my manager and she said, I have seen your acting footage and I'm a fan. And I said, but wait, there's more. I said, I also really want to be a director and I really want to be a writer and I want to make movies. And I said, um, let me just show you some things I've done. So I pulled out my phone and I did this music video for my friend who uh, is an incredible singer. And I made this music video for her that I adore. And I just started playing her the first couple seconds. And she was like, oh, wow, you're not kidding. You know, you make films. And I said, yes. And I said, here's, a, here's also a clip of this short film I made, I'm going to submit it to Sundance. So I'm just like pulling up these things for her, for her to watch. And she said, I want to work with you that day. And I didn't really, I was like in shock. And then I didn't hear from her for like a week. I was like, oh my God, like what's, and this is also another thing, follow up. Don't yes. just sit and wait in silence because I was like, oh, maybe I misunderstood her. Maybe she didn't want to work with me. And I even got an email from my agent in North Carolina being like, she loves you. You know, I don't know what my brain switched something. So then I was just like, you know what? Why don't I email her assistant and her and just check in? So I emailed her and her assistant and she said, you know, I didn't hear back from you. So I didn't know if you wanted to work with me or not and I said are you kidding me like I really want to work with you so then I we met and we had a meeting and she said do you have a feature I said no but I have an idea I've been outlining an idea 
I said, um, you know, I would really like to present the idea. I'd like to walk, I like to walk people through my movies. I said, I'd really like to walk you through my movie. Can we make an appointment? She said, yes. She said, you have to make a feature and then I can send it to literary agents. Mm -hmm. So I had this idea that came to me while I was in LA and I, I outlined the whole thing. Was this eyeball? This is iBath. Yeah. And I had like all the music picked mm-hmm. out. I made a lookbook. So I came to her office and I brought my computer and each slide in my lookbook represented a scene. Mm-hmm. So I'm just visually walking her through each scene of the film. And I'm also like, this is the song that's going to play in this scene. <laughs> And this is the thing that's going to happen. So here. we're going to need a uh, five hundred thousand dollars. We're going to need five, yeah, for the music budget. I know. I don't think about that at all, but that yeah. is probably going to be a big part of that budget for that film. And she said, "I love this." She said, "Now you just have to write it." And I said, "I said, well, I'm going to Turkey for ten days." And she goes, "Great, just write it then. Just write it. So, just write it." So you know, I just said, "Okay." I need to write 90 pages in 10 days. That's nine pages a day. Mm -hmm. So I go to Turkey. I'm jet lagged. I'm heartbroken. I really was heartbroken. I'm crying every day in the shower. And then I am dragging my butt to a coffee shop. And I'm I'm not going home till I write nine pages. This is the Chloe I know and love. This is the (laughs) Chloe I I see regularly of like I'm going to write (laughs) I'm going to write and then it's like some days like I don't get anything done but I'm like but you're gonna sit here yeah that's it you're just gonna act like you're doing something um so I wrote it and then I sent it to her and then she sent it to agents and there were two agencies that I really loved that really liked it and it was very difficult to choose which one so I, you know, chose my agency and then, um, yes. And then after that, you know, it's a, a lot of very fun generals. I don't mean that sarcastically. I love generals. I really truly enjoy generals. It's one of my favorite things. I just like meeting people and talking about your ideas. Like it's so exciting to me. Like, this, you know, it's so long to make a movie. It's so long to write. It's so grueling, but it's so easy to just share an idea and get excited and see if someone else is excited. So I love generals. Um, anyway, so that's the story of how I got your, your representation. Okay, so then we fast forward. That was before Lance and Nick Race. And so yeah. let's go to post Sundance. And yes. you have a few meetings. You t- yeah. yeah. Tell us about that process because you went and did yes. a bunch more generals. You were shopping things around. It's a lot of meetings. Yeah. I don't know how many meetings I've done, but it's a lot of meetings. And sometimes you feel a little, you can feel a little down because you're like, will someone please just take a chance on this project or take a chance on me? Um, yeah, because, and I think that's well, fascinating yeah. to, that you that you articulate that because I think this actually happens at every single stage of our careers, but it's the feeling that can stop so many people in their early careers yeah. because they think there's something wrong when really it's just like no 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 get used to the feeling. <laughs> I'm so glad just, you're telling me this though. This is a really good lesson 
Yeah, I think it's a good reminder. And I mean, you know, you're considerably far into a successful career as a filmmaker and you still struggle with these feelings, right? Exactly. And I also work with people who've been in like in the film industry for decades and, you know, I speak with them. They're still feeling that like, won't someone take Mm. a chance on me feeling? They're still feeling that. And I think that the more we learn to back ourselves, which you, you know how to do that. Like you you do stand by your ideas. I appreciate that, Izzy. I, I really need to get back to that place of, right. Now, because it can get going through right now. I don't know so many things. I do not know so many things. You know, I love that I'm just bearing my soul to everyone. Well, but right this now. is but so important because I it's so really easy to be like, once you've gotten into Sundance, it's free and easy. Everything's <laughs> fine and good and dandy. Like there it is, the success. And you get there and you're like, fuck, what's next? I, yeah. And it's so, it's so, so, so easy to not, Think about the fact, I actually believe that when you think you know, when you're like, I don't know anything, that's when you're starting to recognize the breadth of your wisdom and be able to, I feel like it's that, an acting teacher once once said this to me. Um, and I, I, I can't say the analogy again, because I don't know the correct order of your high school. What do you have? Like junior, what do you have? It's freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. That is so confusing. Why do you have so many words for things? I don't. <laughs> I don't. High know. school. Okay, so <laughs> the what's the first one? Freshman. Okay, so when you're a freshman, you're like, I've got the like in college, right? Yeah. Like, I've got this. I'm excited. I know so much. I just came out out of high school. I'm ready for my like psych degree. And then you get to the next level and the next year, and you start realizing how much, um, you know, you know. Oh God, I've, see, I'm totally fucking this up. No, the point right. is the the better you get, the more the the most time you spend learning, yeah. the more time you, the the more you understand that you don't actually know. That is wisdom. That is learning. That is the way for you to actually grow in and listen. Because I think there's more, there's more knowledge and wisdom in listen, listening than there is yeah. in any other place. And when you think you know everything, you block learning. That's the more you so learn, true. the more you realize you don't know. Exactly, Nikki. So anyway, I just think that that's a really important phase to go through. And hopefully that's the phase for the rest of our lives because that's, that's so an open-minded true. curiosity mindset. I really needed to hear that um, because I tend to, uh, it's this why I don't like math because when I don't understand something the first time, I just really attack myself. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I can't get it. It's just, I'm not, some things, people learn things naturally than others. And I think also what really trips me up is, um, you know, I bet that was the first feature that I wrote and it got a very, beginner's luck is like all over my journey because it got a very good response. And I was like, oh, really? I know what I'm doing. Like, I just am a prophet. See, you were a, you were a, a sophomore. <laughs> yes. And then now, you know, I have, you know. As I'm a just, senior, you're like, oh, shit, I don't know anything. Yes. Now I'm like, oh, my good God. Like, there's so much I need to learn about structure. There's mm. so much more I need to learn about how I work and what I need from collaborators to make my process 
better for me and everyone involved. I need to learn how to communicate. I need to learn how to express my needs, my wants for the sake of the project, for the sake of everyone's sanity. Mm -hmm. You know, I just wish I knew all of this right now because I hate not knowing. Mm -hmm. And I hate not knowing, like, how am I going to break out of habits that I've had for so long? How am I going to, you know, uh, I I don't know, like, it's very daunting. But at the same time, you're right. It's like, this is, this is part of becoming better is that, you know, you're gonna be like, this was not this is could be better. And I need to seek out. I love seeking out people who can help me. So like, I am always, you know, like that quote, uh, Harry Potter, where they're like, help will always be available at Hogwarts. When you, you ask, ask for it. yeah, I am a big believer in that. And I just mm-hmm. am asking everybody I know right now to help me with everything. Yeah. Um, if there's someone who's doing something that you admire or that you think they do something better than you, go like buy that person a coffee and just ask them about the thing that they do better than you. Mm-hmm. I've done that with Izzy many times. Uh, because there are many things that Izzy does that are far better than the way I do it. And I'm like, I need to just listen. I need to just sit down with you and just listen to what you have to say. I love doing that with you as well. So the feeling Thank is you, certainly mutual. I actually also remember, I mean, I remember having many, 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 many conversations like this with you over the years, but especially remember yeah. reading Ibar or we did a we did a table read. Oh yeah, we did a table read. That was with the OG crew. That was that was so, so fun. fun. I love that was really cool. Um, it's just wild to see how oh God, I cannot believe it's been however many years it's been. It's like four yeah. years, four years, five years. That's crazy. Um, okay, what I what are you what are you actually struggling with right now? Like, what do you think is the thing that's that's messing you up? Well. I think I'm very uncomfortable with not being good at something. Yeah. What do you think you're not being, what what do you think you're not good at? Just like, I know I can be a better artist. I can be a Mm -hmm. better filmmaker. I can be a better writer. I can be a better um, client, you know, like Mm -hmm. I I just feel like I'm very uncomfortable with not feeling like, um, I'm the, like the best at something. That's a very yeah. Leo thing to say. And I'm not saying that like, oh, I'm always the best at something, but I always strive to be the best at something. Yeah. I don't like feeling, you know, if this is like a turning in a very sad episode. I'm no, so it's, sorry. I think that it's, it's pretty real. And I think coming to a landing on this, this <laughs> is you, this is you working on a feature script that has been yeah. commissioned by production companies. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, that's what you're talking about in terms of feeling like looking at your sort of habits and your creativity and feeling a sense of lack, which is, you know, very much a mindset and not at yeah. all about who you are as an artist because you're gosh, gosh darn phenomenal. Thank um, you. 
the I think what's interesting about this and also I you know we're having a very candid conversation if you're like can you cut that out of the podcast later <laughs> no worries but I think just for us and you know, this special very special container um being being real about where you're at is so so healing for all of us because on the outside you see someone who's like gone through these high level film festivals and like been publicized and gotten all the success and then your staff pick and indie wire articles and like they've they've been brought on to you know be paid to direct the film they wrote literally and which is the dream for anyone and underneath that it can still be really tough yeah I am very because I love I just love movies mm. so much and to the point where I get really upset if I see that it's bad I genuinely get very very mad and I sometimes I can't watch like if I'm watching something and it is bad I turn it off because it makes me upset because it's like, this is an art form yeah. and I take it very seriously and I don't expect anything less than the best because you, so- <laughs> I love it. you and I have like completely different op- opposite views on this. <laughs> I need it to be uh, respectful yeah. of the art form and I need it to be authentic and I need it to have my colors all over it and um, so you're talking about your film yeah I just like in general everything I, I do Watch. like okay that's why I'm so hard on myself because I really love movies good shit yeah good I believe yeah. that <laughs> when we're watching something that's <laughs> that we don't like yeah I'm not talking about things that we've made but like if you're if you've pressed play on something and you're like oh this this isn't very yeah. good or there's something wrong with this or like it's laughable and I want to make fun like you you want to yeah. make fun of it that is what that is exactly what you should watch and you should study it and you should take notes uh. and you should understand like why don't you like it what doesn't read as authentic what is it about this thing that is yeah. giving you the X that is making you want to turn it off, that is making you disconnect and go, that's bullshit, because that is a lesson for us. It's usually because it's not authentic or yeah. like it's a lie. And I hate seeing lies in art. Okay, so this is so interesting because I actually think that I wonder if that feel that judgment feeling yeah. is is almost the root of a struggle that you're going through right now in Probably. yourself. Like, uh, if it's not the most authentic, the most, you yes. know, aligned, right, then it doesn't, then it it has to get cut. It has to get cut. It, it has to be like there's only room for the truth on every page. And if it's not real, if it's not truthful, it has to go. Interesting. I wonder if there's part of, I wonder if there's something in there that's... There's probably so many I wish that someone could do like a study on me I never used to be this um way (laughs) authentic like I never used to because I don't think I knew what authentic really was yeah and then when I felt like or feel like I have an understanding of what it is and 
that's all I want to be from now on is I want to just make something that's authentic because I realize my favorite films, mm. you know, that's, and I realized too, like you, you can get away with a project not being the best production wise, but if it's authentic, mm, absolutely. That's really <clears throat> the term of something. That's the whole thing. And I would much rather take an authentic movie over something that is, you know, polished. from production point, yeah. polished and perfect. I, I don't care, you know, it, I, so I, I think that there is a lack of that in the movies I'm seeing. And I mm-hmm. think that that's maybe one of the reasons why I really challenge myself to make projects that reflect that those values. Yeah. I think that's um, so, so important. I I'm putting a big job on my yeah. little shoulders. That's what I'm seeing, right? Like that there, we enter ourselves into our own struggle and we struggle around in there. And there's, it, there is evidence everywhere. I think there's evidence in our judgments and giving yourself a little bit of that like grace to, um, to find your authenticity through the process rather than need it to be that way from the get-go because that's really smart yeah your like self-judgment on it can can be pretty limiting to your creativity kill it that's a really good point Izzy Mm. I like well (laughs) yeah um (laughs) I love you so okay I want to know how you got from taking general meetings to getting commissioned basically from or or however you would describe that from a production company to make a film that you are going to write you pitched an idea to a company what happened I like it, it you know I think it you kind of feel out in meetings people's tastes and then I always like to have a couple ideas you know, in my back pocket. And, you know, some people just get it and some people just doesn't resonate with them. But I always try to get people excited about an idea that I have. And so, you know, I pitched an idea and it really resonated. And it was just a little gem of an, like a little germ of an idea. And, you know, cut to, you know, that's what I'm working on. And then it was the kind of the same thing with the other project as well, where it was just a little, little gem of an idea. And then they kind of came, they came back a year later and they mm-hmm. said, Hey, remember that little gem of an idea that you said a year ago, have you done anything with that? Cause we'd like to talk to you about it. And had you, I no. I said, give me two weeks. <laughs> And I'll do something with it. And, and then from there, you know, I've been lucky to be working on those projects. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, you kind of feel out in the room people's tastes. Mm-hmm. And then usually, like, in my experience, sometimes, but not always. I've never really had someone say, what are your ideas? I usually just talk about them (laughs) (laughs) Uh, because I want to. Um, So I usually just like kind of, you know, say, 
you know, this has been happening in the world. It's been making me think a lot about this thing. And I'm going to tell you why you should care about this thing. And then I kind of launch into my little, you know, pitch. Elevator pitch. Elevator pitch. And so that's kind of how those happens. It's just a very early little seedling mm-hmm. that is still, you know, taking shape. You're not the first person to tell me that you had a meeting and with a very like well-presented idea. And then they say, what else do you have? And you're like, oh, yes. this log line and this log line. And that ended up getting another, uh, someone else I know into the commission to make their yeah. directorial debut. And then it became just such, it just became like such a big project. And they went, yeah, yeah, no, I've got, I'll get, I'll have the script to you in a month and like went away and wrote it. So it's so I, funny. It's always the things that you're like, no one's going to go for that. And they're like, it, yeah, yeah, we love it. it. And, and it's really funny because I had a, I have a feature written mm. and, you know, everyone says, okay, this is very nice. What, what else? And I'm like, well, yeah, I have something right there. You're like, oh, what else? Like, what else? Just the thing I've been working on for yeah. 12 months. For 12, yeah. But okay, I can okay. think of other things that, you know, I've been interested in that this could be a good story to, you know, but yeah, that's so true. It's like, I did this, but yeah. no. So when you were going through that process where is it, am I correct in thinking that that one, that production meeting you had or a general meeting you had, you presented a few ideas a year later, they came back to you and said, we yeah. like one of these ideas. Can you go write it? Was yes. that the first time you had heard back from a company like that? Yes. Amazing. So it was a full year after. Yes. And they went, we want to see a script or we want to see an outline in two weeks. Well, they said, we want to hear a pitch. Mm-hmm. So then I, and then you go into contract for, you know, the outline, outline. Yep. Draft, second draft, stuff like that. So I had not made an outline. Mm-hmm. I, I just had a rough idea of the shape of the story um, as opposed to a step-by-step breakdown of the story. Okay, question for you. If you yeah. had written the outline in that contractual phase, would you have been paid for the work basically like in in the past, if that makes sense? I am not I'm I'm not sure, but that's a really mm. good question. Um Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so they you went through the contractual process, you basically made agreements for the money that you would make at the outline phase and then the proof and then the second first draft second draft etc yeah how was that process of writing the iterations of the script um it was good I mean I um writing is is a lot of work uh as everyone here knows um I am still learning how I write best um I sometimes struggle a lot with being alone Mm -hmm. um because it's a very solitary thing um but uh yeah it's kind of like kind of everything is kind of blurred together um but I I kind of stick to that same structure that I made when I wrote my first script where I say okay you know I'm gonna write so many pages a day yeah and then that way I can stay on a schedule. Also, I will say, I think 
something I will do for future drafts, but it's really important, I think, to find time to have a really close friend or mentor read your script, give you notes before you hand it in. Yeah. Because I just think that the more, just at least have one person read it before you turn it in. And, and preferably also, it, someone who has a little bit of a an uh, objective lens. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And and also, um, what else was I going to say? It was going to be very brilliant, but I forgot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Self, when you're writing, I well, for me, I didn't leave myself time to proofread, but mm. that takes a long time. So make sure you schedule that in as well into your, into your writing schedule that you give yourself. Great. And so that's, I think that's such beautiful advice with, um, with the, how, I mean, I know you're in this like very intensive moment where you're writing, you're getting ideas out there. What is your next best preferred step? Like what happens now? I would love to make a movie soon. Yeah. Um, I'm really itching to get on set. I really am just like itching to make a vision come to life. I'm itching to collaborate with people. So ideally, I would just make my first feature as soon as humanly possible because I am, I'm just, I can't be alone much longer. Yeah, I get it's it. So, like how, how, where are you in the process right now? You work on the horror, right? Um, I am, yeah, I'm not quite sure. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm not quite sure. I don't know. Yeah. When I, when, you know, I would do that. I did. The reason I think this is fascinating too, is that there is no straight line and no. it's, it, you, you don't know that until you're in it. Yeah. No, that's so true. And everything like, if there's always iterations at every phase, you know, like when you think that your outline is really good, like you go to draft and then there's iterations in that phase and then there's iterations in the second draft. And then, you know, you go, Oh, I have to really just completely throw this away and start over. It's just a continuation of change. <laughs> yeah. You don't completely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that with um, a project that I've been, I guess, iterating for maybe four years now and you know keeps coming up in different forms and in through different characters and there's so many ways that it could be expressed and there's just like a core sort of truth to it there's like a core feeling about it that doesn't change but like the format does that's a really good way of putting it it's a core feeling that doesn't change I really like that I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that as well (laughs) gotta copyright my shit quick yeah (laughs) um the okay your what did I want to ask you I wanted to ask you oh what I wanted to say was we're gonna I feel like this will be sort of a, a fun almost uh time capsule because you're right in that middle moment where you've got all of this success behind you, all of the success in front of you. And right now you're just kind of working through how to get to you're in the yes. you're in the middle of that feeling I mean there's so much to come for you and there's also so much that you need to learn in this very moment that's going to get you there and that is so uncomfortable but we will this is a um I love that 
this is a time capsule and we will have you back on the podcast when you're when you finished filming your film and you'll be like I did it I just did it your first directorial feature debut what's that we're making a deal right now yes we're we're signing in zoom blood (laughs) I like that for a horror movie I, yeah, I was about to say that sounds like something that you would make. I love that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Chloe, I, love- I absolutely love you. I absolutely love you. Um, if anyone has questions, pop them in the chat for us. We will read them out. But what I want to ask finally is Chloe. Yeah. What advice? would you give to a filmmaker at any stage of their crib, but really wanting to get visible, put their work out there? Like, what would you say to these sort of filmmakers just like you? What advice would you want to give? I think that my, I think you have to make things, number one. I think number two, you cannot be afraid to ask for everything. I'm the most annoying ask her. I ask for everything. I don't care because if I don't say something, then no one else is going to say it. And the worst you can do is say no. And usually nine out of 10 times, if you're like nice and you put on good vibes, you'll get what you ask for. Like if you're putting forth good, you know, energy and you're being warm to people and you're being kind, they'll want to help you um but I I just really believe in and being very bold and what you ask for and like I would just do really ridiculous things when I lived in North Carolina like I I lived with my parents and I was working so I was saving money but I would cold email uh companies and I would say I'm gonna be in LA in it next month. And I would love to schedule a meeting with you. And I wasn't going to be in LA. I would just see if someone would agree to meet with me first. And then I would buy a ticket to LA and I would stay with my friend and I would meet with people. Like that's the type of thing I would do. Like I would, I would just, I would email people and just set up like that. I'm going on a pretend trip and I would just get, you know, get people to meet with me. Um, and just like ridiculous things like that. Like, I'm just very, I don't care about that stuff. It's so funny because the things that do really get under my skin and make me anxious are dumb. But mm. I'm not anxious about going up to someone and being like, you need to work with me. Yeah. I- yeah. Because it's like someone knows what they're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing. No. So if you act like you do, they'll be like, she must know. And then also the beauty is like, which I need to take this because I'm being so hard on myself, is usually you can just figure it out. <laughs> yes. I so agree. Just put yourself in the situation, throw yourself in the deep end, and you'll figure it out. You'll you'll figure it out. I mean, uh, fingers crossed, I'll figure all these things out, but it's like, if you're resourceful, if you're curious, if you can listen, if you, um, you know, are tenacious, you, you know, all those things, don't be afraid to, to advocate for yourself. Don't be Mm -hmm. afraid to be 
And I think too, like sometimes I joke about being a Leo because if I'm ever in a meeting and I, you know, it kind of gives me a way to joke about being very confident about an idea without it coming across like I'm, you know, arrogant. I'll say, yes. I'll say, you know, and this is just the Leo in me speaking, but I think that this is the best idea. I and I'm not com- I'm not trying to be like a salesperson or anything, but it's like I genuinely am very excited about my ideas. Yeah, those ge- that genuine excitement matters. Yeah. It matters. It's like I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm trying to be like mm-hmm. I'm excited about this and I want you to be excited because I'm excited. Like I'm not um you know like and if you don't want to buy it that's that's fine I don't care like I'm still so excited about this and I'm just happy that I got to talk to someone about it because I'm alone at a coffee shop and mm-hmm. the only thing I say is like oat milk please that's it like I want to like this is a time when you can be excited about something and you don't have to have all the pieces together when you you know well at least when I pitch I don't have all the pieces together I just know what I'm pitching has a great we said like root feeling I don't know what's going to be, but I have a feeling it's going to be really good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We have 10 minutes. Oh, wait, no. Yes. Finish what you're saying. Just say, I just get very passionate about seeds of ideas that I, I know could be really good once they're nurtured properly. That's a really beautiful way. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Izzy. Okay. You're welcome. We have a couple questions. We're going to go through these. We have a few minutes left, so we will we will keep these short and sweet. But do you have any tips for pitching your ideas? Yes, I do. Thank you. <laughs> I um I like to relate what my film is to something that is going on in the world. Here's the thing. If your idea like, you know, if you came up with your idea a while ago, you know, you can relate it to something that happened at that time. I believe everything can or, be linked to everything is timeless if you have the right perspective. Exactly. And I think a personal connection is very important. It it also depends on what the idea is, but it could be I it could be something so freaking random. Like, you know, I was I've been watching a lot of Westerns lately and, you know, had this weird idea. Like, what if you you know, what if a Western was mixed with a blah, 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 blah. You know, it could be something like that. But just try to make it relatable and personal to you. And then I what what else do I do? Like there's a book I'm reading that I'm really passionate about. And I remember facts from that book. Like I take notes in this book and I go, if I, you know, these are facts that are interesting to me. And I, if I ever like am able to pitch this, these are the things I'm going to bring up. So mm-hmm. like, I just, you know, was, I'm excited about a book. So if I'm talking about that book, I'm going to have quotes in my brain that I'm going to share to get people to get excited. Also, it's like, I think if you can put something in a visual sense, something people can visualize, it makes it a lot easier. If you can relate it to the world at large, and if you can give them like 
you know, some kind of visual, like this is the, I really see the opening shot like this, you know, and I really like this movie, you know, and shot like how that cinematographer shot that movie. Like that's the vibe I want. If you can get people to see it and if you can get very specific about, you know, what it, what it is and, you know, because that's how people relate. And Izzy, you know, this from acting is it's, it's how specific can you be? Um, And so even when you're talking about a character, um, I'm watching, you know, my gosh, there's so many great examples, but just like if you describe a tick of a character, if you describe like, you know, like this person like never learned how to tie their shoes. So like, they're always like tripping over their laces. I don't know, that's lame, but something like that, like give them visual things that they can, latch onto and then you have to be very excited about it and I'm not saying like you're yelling you're everyone has their own style but like you have to feel the for me at least I think if you're passionate about something you can make other people passionate about that thing as well and also I agree it to a larger theme and as some you know is very you know important so me tackling Mm -hmm. like the themes that you want to discuss and why you care why do you care why should they care you know yeah and why should they care is a big one is it i bring um if i know i'm gonna talk about certain scripts like if i know i'm gonna talk about ibath in a meeting Mm -hmm. i'm showing up to that meeting with my bluetooth speaker and my iphone and I'm showing up with my laptop or I'm showing up with a book that I made where I glued all these collages on the page. I have all these drawings. I'm showing up with materials. And yes. if they don't want to listen to my songs, like they're going to hear them. No one's ever said no. But I'm just ready. I'm ready to like show, bring you into this world that I've created. What is your personal process for writing a script? What sort of steps do you take? I think that, okay, I should get paid by Rick Rubin, but he wrote a incredible book called um, The Creative Act. And the way that he outlines it, it felt it really resonates with my process, which is in the beginning, you are ge- I'm gathering downloads, as we call them. I'm gathering downloads. I like to make a list in my phone. I have like a list of 102 things in my phone of just random stuff that I find very inspiring and make no sense. And I have a list in my phone. And then sometimes... I check that list and I go, I wonder if this and this thing could exist together Mm -hmm. or not. I just occasionally check the list, but I pay attention to what I'm interested in and what's popping up. And then, you know, if I'm really interested in, you know, disco, then I go to the library and I get some disco books or, you know, I find, I seek out movies about disco, but I'm not trying to make it into anything at that point. I'm just paying attention to what is making me go, ooh. What is you like know? tingling your spidey senses? 
I'm just paying attention. Yeah. And then there's the time that <laughs> it all uh I just watched you. I just like watched you clench. Yeah. Because I'm like in this phase where like I have a lot of really cool like images for something, but I'm like, I don't know what that is. And maybe it's not ready yet, you yeah. know, because you don't want to shove something together too soon because then you're not letting it show you what it wants to be. And so I believe that you're just, you just got to collect in this, in this beginning phase. And then, I don't know, I think the narrative will kind of reveal itself to mm-hmm. you comes the challenge of which I'm learning, you know, film has a structure and that is what I'm, you know, personally I'm working on now. How do I make these great images, this plot, how do I make this all fit into this structure? Mm-hmm. I also big believer in talking through movies, like getting yeah. friends, talking them through a film and then seeing where you, you feel, uh, Ooh, that's not right. Yeah. You know, like you kind of feel it when you are Hit speaking. It. So, oh, so true. I think that's really important. I Thank absolutely you. love you. I, I'm just such a, a creative inspiration to me. I love you. I love seeing you love grow it. and working on projects with you and sitting by your side and talking about films and watching films. Thank you. I'm so inspired by you, Izzy. And it truly is such a pleasure to be here because I've really wanted to be on your show for a really long time. I love having you on my show. You can come on Thank my show anytime. Um, the, the, I was just, ima- I was just remembering my favorite Halloween, which was sitting with you watching. Um, yes. Barbarian. Yes. And then we I watched love, that terrible yeah. film. Uh, like, remember yeah. three weeks earlier, we watched a really yeah. bad film and we were like, we have to fix this. Like, we have to watch something really good now. I loved that. That was one of my favorite. Anytime I go over to your home is a favorite memory. I love having you in my home. Thank you. I'm glad. Well, I'll be there tonight. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah I'll be here. You're probably out the front, right? I'll be here. I'm here now. Chloe does sometimes randomly show up at my house. I love it. <laughs> but usually she has some like half-eaten food to share so oh absolutely (laughs) i love you my friend i'll talk to you very soon thank you everyone everybody thank you everyone yeah thanks everyone for being here lots of love go well be well and we'll talk to you all soon chloe thank you again for just sharing your wisdom and all your light my freaking pleasure (laughs) (laughs) bye guys That's a wrap on today's interview. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you just loved it. I would love to hear your takeaways. I'm always so curious to hear like what actually resonated with you, what stood out. So hit me up on Instagram, DM me. I'm at Indie Spunk. Or, you know, if you want to post a story and you tag me in that, I will absolutely reshare it because I dig it and I want to hear from you and I want to know you and I want to help you and I love supporting you. Okay, I'm obsessed with you. Is that obvious? Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Bye.